Hey, what's going on? Breezy, good day, and welcome to the second episode of Birds All Day that is here outside of the athletic ecosystem, available uh, to you wherever you listen to your podcast. If it's on uh, Apple Podcasts, if it's on uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, all the different places, hopefully Spotify, they never called us back. I can't believe that after all these years. But anyway, this is the shortened version. This is the highlights. In this episode, uh, here on outside of the athletic ecosystem, you're going to hear Stoughton and I talk about Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s 2019. Is it a disappointment? Why would it be considered a disappointment? We contrast that against uh, Kevin Biggio's 2019, which has in, in a lot of ways been quite successful, even though he had uh, some prolonged slumps. But it's all a matter of expectations and, and talent and, and sort of who a player is. And they, they earn those. They earn that hype. They earn that, that level of expectation. And we talked a little bit about uh, the sort of the law outfield logjam. So you're going to hear that on this episode. If you are a full subscriber of The Athletic, you'll hear the full episode, which includes us talking with Blue Jays radio play-by-play announcer Mike Wilner, longtime supporter of, uh, of what we've done. We've been a longtime supporter of what he's done. So happy um, as a listener and as a, as a person inside the Blue Jays kind of world to hear Wilner in the booth every single day calling the games there with Ben Wagner. A great booth, a great team. Uh, so it was great to chat with Wilner. So if, you are, if you're not yet an Athletic subscriber, can't recommend you do it enough. Head over to theathletic.com slash birds all day. Get that discount code, which is, uh, or get that discount, whatever it is. Just go there. Let them know, essentially, that you, we sent you. Sign up. You'll hear full episodes. You'll get all the talk, all the interviews, all the banter, all Stone and I talking about Jordan Evaldus Bean's dick. It's all there. So we hope you enjoy this banter-filled episode and look forward to talking to you next time on Birds All Day. Vlad Guerrero Jr. Speaking of worse, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I don't know. I, I don't think it was a take. It, it's, it's interesting what has come from... I'm not the first one to ask the question. I'm not the first one to put the idea forth. Um, and I think most people recognize it as a, something like a measured perspective. But like I wrote in the, in the Vlad Guerrero Jr. newsletter that I write called Vlad Religion, which is available at fairservice.substack.com if you're so inclined. Uh, I said... Is it fair to say, or I, I think it's not unfair to consider that Vlad's rookie season has been a disappointment? And most people took it okay. Some people were pretty upset. They are all kinds of excuses that people made that I don't necessarily think hold water. And then I, and then you kind of wrote about it and you kind of expanded it on it a lot in a, in a way that, um, you know, you brought in some other comparable players, looked at guys who are of, of a similar age, kind of of a similar um, <laughs> yeah, caliber. Yeah, I was trying to soothe myself, really, trying to find some way to believe that, you know, this might not be terrible. He hit a ball in the air uh, here on Thursday night, so we got that. But yes, he hit more on. than one. He, he had one that was is. bound bound for the seats, except it was taken <laughs> back by some young Oriole, Austin Pauly or something. I don't know his name, uh, but he made a really nice play. And then Vlad later in the game hit a double, so that's nice. He's had a couple of hits here in the series against in Baltimore. That's going on at the time of our recording. Um, you know, I don't think it salvages the season. One double and one would-be home run. It wasn't a make-or-break situation. I think that 
Number one, the, the biggest thing that I have that I take issue with that has been repeatedly kind of regurgitated back to me is like, well, he's only twenty, and I, like it doesn't. I don't know. Am I crazy, or does that not necess- that doesn't necessarily hold water as an excuse or a reason for him to underperform relative to his talent and expectations? No, I I think you're right there. I mean, I obviously looked at in the piece that I wrote that was sort of pivoting off what you had written. Um, you know, guys who maybe weren't as successful. There's sort of a cohort that he's in of guys who had excellent careers and didn't hit the ground running in the same way as, say, Juan Soto or Ronald Cunha or Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, but, yeah, those are guys who, you know, it's really obvious to look at. And it's like uh, when people say, oh, well, he's 20, the implication is, well, all young players come to the big leagues. And, of course, there's going to be an adjustment period. Like, this is just universal. And mm-hmm. you can pretty clearly point to guys who, you know, everybody thought Vlad was a better hitter then or as good a hitter as, but I, well, frankly, no, a better hitter than when you consider like the tools that like the scouts and the, the baseball Americas were you know, putting on Vlad, uh, who just, you know, not had this, not looked like a typical 20 year old. I mean, I, I think there's probably, uh, there's perhaps reasons for it. I mean, the spotlight maybe was, well, I bet that even that, even that I was going to say, you know, the spotlight was big and obviously, you know, Vlad's a, a but it's not like Tatis and it's not like Acuna weren't fucking extremely uh, well-regarded, well-known prospects when they made their debuts as well. So, yeah, I, I think it's fair to be like being 20, if you can hit, doesn't have to be a, a, a – can't be an excuse when there's a bunch of 20-year-olds that can. No, especially in, in today's game where there are just that many more young players who come up to the big leagues – when they show that they can hit, they're, they're brought up. Like, there's no why waste time, why um, spin your wheels in the minor leagues. You know, just the fact that he's 20, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, I just don't think that it's, um, yeah, it's not a valid reason to keep him down. You know, you've only, you've only got so long and uh, you've only got so long until your bat speed slows down, right? Like, yeah. And I mean, you've got, right? like, if, if and you guys like, you know, no, you're you're absolutely right that that the bat speed, especially trying to fight against um, uh, uh, the way that the game is played these days. Uh, even a couple of years ago, I remember um, uh, you know Saris doing some research and showing that that the belief that power peaked at 27 or whatever was just bunk, and it's like basically it just peaks whenever they started. It just once whatever it's at, it just tends to kind of go down little by little, and um, it, there's just. The age thing isn't a valid reason for his struggles. The, the, what the age thing is, is as a bonus, is like the other side of the coin with the age thing is that there's no reason to believe he won't improve, right? And I think that's, that's the biggest issue is that while acknowledging that Vlad has underperformed this year, he's underperformed because of who he is, because of not only just like hype, because there's always there's hype and there's expectation, but like he he created that hype by his through his talent, through his performance at the minor leagues, every level of the minor leagues, being the youngest guy in the league. It wasn't a challenge when he was 17 playing in like you know full season A ball. It wasn't a it wasn't a challenge when he was you know the youngest guy in the Eastern League by three years or whatever. Um, so he created the hype, and then also all it was the you know baseball talent evaluators independent or people who work for uh, publications watching him and saying like he could hit today you know when he was 19 and and in double a and he could he could he has the talent and the ability and the pitch recognition and the bat speed and the power to be an effective big league pitcher right now 
So it was all those things working together. It wasn't like there was one nagging voice or wasn't like someone saying like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever, he'll be fine. But like he is the guy you could bet on. And for a variety of reasons, some that could be maybe related to health, maybe related to approach, um, it just hasn't happened. And it doesn't mean that it won't happen. It just means that in in this moment in time, looking at the body of work that he's put forward, it hasn't been what we what we would have liked to see. No, you're, I, I, that's I, who, who could argue with that? And I, I think you're right that it, it still absolutely can happen. It will get better. Uh, and you know, mm. I, in the piece that I wrote, I looked at some quotes from uh, from Guillermo Martinez, the Blue Jays hitting coach, who was talking about how you know just the the, the talent that was so apparent to everybody uh, isn't enough at the big league level, right? Like how. He, you know, the, the hitting the, Martinez said, you know, Vlad last year would, you know, show up at the ballpark, not take batting practice, and you know, go three for four with a home run. And mm-hmm. you can't do that at this level. And you know, part of the process of him, you know, becoming you know, what we hope he's going to be is, you know, figuring out how to work smarter and and to to use his time better. And you know, the health thing is an interesting one too because you know there was the oblique injury at the start of the year. Uh, you know, he had a knee injury last year. Obviously, the Blue Jays are being a bit cautious with him in terms of you know the load management stuff that drives everybody nuts, and, which mm-hmm. you know we don't really see with Bo Bichette, or, you know, but with Vlad, who you know is, a, is is an incredibly you know he's not fragile, but he, he's an incredibly strong fucking twenty year old guy. Uh, but I mean, you wonder what effect that has on it. What effect the the stuff where it it was just it's it has not been difficult for him to this point and and having to make those adjustments and i think everybody thinks that he can and and will but uh but yeah i mean and then that just almost you know it makes him sort of take a more traditional path where you can understand why people are saying you know well he's only 20 it's just you you know you look at those other 20 year olds around the league and it's like mm-hmm. well why the hell are these guys not having that same issue right which is uh uh but but you know, not everybody's the same, and development isn't always linear, and et cetera, et cetera. Right? I don't, mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I, we, we can't, we can't really, we can't really say anything definitive about it. I don't think, except that, yeah, it has not been the season that everybody had thought. I mean, remember at the start of the year when you know the the, the Zips projections or one of the projection systems were like, oh, he's gonna have like the twelfth best weighted runs created plus in the league, and like, and be like a three point eight win third baseman. I mean that. And that was kind of like funny, and like everybody's sort of salivating about it. And we're like, "Well, what would like what would I? I wish I wish we had looked it up before we started talking about this." But I remember, I don't know if it was in writing or if it was on the podcast, but we definitely have had the, had the conversation early on. Like, what would a disappointing season look like? Like, would mm-hmm. would like two seventy five with <laughs> with you know twenty one twenty two home runs be disappointing? And I think at the time we would have thought that, and and. You know, and mm. to look at the the numbers that he's put up so far, which are I would say, which are below what, you know, mm. even sort of the lowest expectations. Not in a horrific way. Like he's still been been an above average hitter for a twenty year old in the big leagues, which is, you know, an impressive feat no matter what. But Absolutely. It's just it's just yeah, there was so much expectation and for good reason, and uh, mm. just can't wait to see it. You know, all get put together because. Uh, That'll be really cool, and that's not what we've seen just yet, except for maybe you know the odd little stretch. And he did have a, a stretch of a great stretch through you know July and, and the middle of August, where 
um, you know, well, he's had a couple different stretches. It's it's almost like this. He's had the season. It's like four little mini seasons, like you know, mm. early slump, and then he figured it out, and then he slumped again, and then he figured it out. Um, it sort of seems like it's been on that a uh, bit of a yo-yo. But so I have this pet theory that is not fully formed yet, and I'm trying to like work it around in my brain. I may have mentioned this already before. So the one thing that is definitely um, a positive. Uh, for the most part, he's looking at his like walk and his strikeout numbers. So he doesn't, he walks like, a, you know, a decent amount. He walks at above average or close to league average rate. And he strikes out uh, below league average, which for a 20-year-old player, I think is is really great. That's a big sign um, that he is, uh, you know, able to to not strike out and even even you know uh ronald acuna and, and tatis in particular like have huge strikeout numbers not really walking that much so there's a part of me that thinks that such is his talent and such is his hand-eye coordination and kind of keen bat-to-ball skills that he's such a good hitter that it's almost holding him it held him back in a way because maybe his pitch selection or his aggressiveness and or his pitch, pitch recognition isn't quite where it it should be, but instead of the times where he would have swung through pitches and maybe prolonged in at bat or or done you know fouled a, a pitch off or done whatever, he's because of his keen bat to ball abilities is actually putting the ball in play and like making outs in a different way. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that totally makes sense. Uh, you know. It's a bit hopeful, maybe. It is but, very hopeful, uh, <laughs> but then I think that you look, everything else about him, though, like again, he does still hit, hit the ball so hard. He, uh, you know, the, the right swing and miss is below right, average, right into hmm? the ground, <laughs> right into the ground, right. So it's that it's part of a, a process of him de- of developing and, and trying to changing maybe this, the the way that he attacks certain pitches or or understanding. You know, he, he seems keenly aware of what pitchers are trying to do them they've just been successful so far and if it's a matter of you're struggling against, against the fastball or gearing up for the fastball getting exposed by the by the off-speed stuff whatever it might be i do think that there's maybe my my idea is probably bunk but at the same time <laughs> i think that there all, all the elements are there plus the obvious unbelievable talent that is plain to see um, and that is demonstrated with every you know lightning bolt strike struck and struck and ball uh, struck ball like the line you hit, hit a draw a line drive i think the launch angle was zero but it went like f- almost right through the pitcher's legs and into center field like just an absolute bullet 107 108 miles an hour whatever it is all those types of things it's obvious that he's a great hitter he hasn't hit like a great hitter this year which is a disappointment but i'm not ready to say that it's going to impact negatively on his future if anything, it might be a good, uh, you know, something to build on, give him a set of goals and things to, to work towards heading into the offseason. But I, I, I don't know. But that's that's my pet theory that I'm going to it's going to keep me warm all winter long. Yeah, that's fair. You know what? I think that I, I, I assume that we'll look back in 10 years as old, decrepit people as though we're not already. Uh, and mm. we'll see 2019 as the worst season of his big league career I, I i do still believe that you know um we you never know how these things go obviously but yeah i feel pretty good that that's uh that that's something you could bet on i definitely think that is something that is within the realm of possibility also if i may i, I have an aside this like thing that happened to me the other day which is not related to baseball but it is related to like being an embarrassing old man 
<laughs> I, I, well, and it's also an example of like the, when the worst thing that can happen sometimes is getting what you want. So I often listen to music very loudly in my car. I'm one of those people when I drive from point A to B or wherever I'm going, I often listen to music and often very loud. I don't have like a fancy stereo in my car or anything, but it still goes, goes loud. I have a, I have a new car. Yeah. Uh, which even though you know this podcast is long on the record with the fuck cars being the the official position but (laughs) here we are so i was coming home i had been to uh work out and then i had been i had to get some bananas and stuff like that and i was coming home i was listening to music very loudly i was listening to this band called knock loose that i like very much uh it's terrible it's obnoxious ignorant like like mosh metal breakdown after breakdown after breakdown it's embarrassing <laughs> uh-huh. that a 40 or 41 year old man is listening to this record like let's there's no there needs to be no doubt about that but i love it i can't even pretend like i don't so i got to my house and i had to move something to get the car into the garage so i left the car on because i just had to hopped out and went in and moved something and i left the door open and the sunroof was was, was open and the music's blaring and i like go in and i put something and then all of a sudden some guy like sticks his head around the corner from like two doors down I don't know who he is. I don't know. I don't talk to people. But he was like, hey, what's that? What's that? I was like, oh, God, now I'm embarrassed. And I go to turn it down. He's like, what, a, what band is that? And I'm like, oh, it's, uh, it's Knock Loose. And then he goes like, oh, wow, that's, that's, a, that's really sick. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I'm so <laughs> mortified that I, this is all, all of this exchange. I feel so ridiculous about, about it. I, like, he did nothing wrong. He just was like, hey, man, that's sick which is the thing that he said but like oh it was awful and it's just an absolute moment of like you know driving around trying to make you know the big show myself like look at me listen to this heavy music and then all of a sudden i'm like oh no no don't no one needs to recognize it no one needs to acknowledge that this is happening i'm just listening to uh, beyonce like everybody else speaking of uh queen b yeah uh cavabigio yeah he's kind of come alive and uh making believers out of a lot of people well, so can you bring me up to speed? Maybe I saw a few people making jokes or making reference to like him not being worth the roster spot. Was that something that somebody said? Was that a take? Yes, it is. But uh, is whose take was that? that we, well, you you may not remember from uh, when we just talked to Mike Wilner. I didn't hear you very much during that. Uh, during no, that interview, no, but, I, uh, I, you know, I, I'm happy to sit back and listen to you guys uh, chat. It's just really interesting for I, me. Um, well, yes, as, a, as am I often. I uh, know Keith mm-hmm. Law. Keith Law. Uh, is doubling down on the uh, on the Kevin Biggio stuff. Uh, you know, he said at the start of the year, and we again talked to Wilmer a little bit about this uh, that that it was sort of a mirage, and he's not really a real prospect. Like he had a good stat line, and that he's just a mm-hmm. guy who's not not going to be able to hack it in the big leagues. Um, and I think that after you know the cycle, and after he's kind of come back around a bit, Malawi was still like, eh, still not worth the roster spot. Interesting. Uh-huh. That seems. I don't know that I, I don't know that I think that's true, uh, or I certainly wouldn't be certain enough at this point to be like, all right, see you later, buddy. <laughs> like I think, I think I'd like to see how this thing goes. Like, uh, uh, it, it's much nicer when he's you know not mired in a two month slump, uh, mm-hmm. which he was at one point, which he was when I, and I was hardly the only one. Uh, there were several people on my Twitter when I, you know, when that, uh, the the that piece sort of uh, germinated. Uh, talking about like, hey, are we ever going to mention that Kevin Vigio fucking sucks for you know weeks upon <laughs> weeks at that point? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, but lo and behold, by coincidence, undoubtedly, but nonetheless, I will try to take credit for it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
You should. Uh, yeah, like the day that came out, he started like you know, he, he swung at the first pitch for the first time in like mm. three weeks and uh, got a little bit more aggressive, and and the results have been a lot better. Considering the kind of people that they are running out there, it is difficult to say that anyone with a pulse is not worth a roster spot. Considering. The, some of the dregs of humanity that are uh, <laughs> populating the Blue Jays out, outfield right now. Also, uh, Kevin Biggio is is an interesting point to contrast and and kind of use as an example for the folks who are saying, "Oh, well, uh, you know, we, uh, it's the hype, the hype that you created for Vlad Jr. It's not his fault that he's not performing to your standards. He can do this and it's this and that." Like the difference between the expectations for Vlad Jr. and versus Kevin Biggio are ones of who has earned those expectations. The expectations for Kevin Biggio were very low because he was something of like a, maybe a, not a non-prospect, but he wasn't the top prospect in baseball who hit 400 essentially for an entire season. He was a guy who had <laughs> yeah. shown some flashes and had sort of come into some power. So yeah, you would, I, I would, even though their numbers are actually <laughs> quite similar, you would never say that Kevin Biggio season is a disappointment because the expectations were lower because he's not and never will be quite as good as Vlad Guerrero Jr. That's the difference. I there. believe I, I believe Baseball America had him as like the number nine prospect in the Jays system, like coming into this season, like in the yeah. like behind Sean Reed Foley. So yeah, it's <laughs> the expectations slightly different. Yeah. Is Sean Reed Foley on the big league roster, by the way? Or like, is he? He's not up, is he? He's not. I don't think he is. I feel like I haven't seen him, but I mean. <laughs> but it, who's to, who's not to say? Been a, not been a who's banner to say how, year. How attentive I have been to the Blue Jays games on my TV. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I can't. I can't say that for sure. I mean, he's on the forty man. He must be up. I don't know. I haven't seen him. But anyway, it's you never. The, the, what is the old saw that you don't believe anything you see in April or September? But um, I'm happy to believe the things I'm seeing in September against the Orioles. I think <laughs> it's very real. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that the bigger but point the, the is Reed that the Reed Foley thing. I'm, I'm sorry, the Reed Foley thing. I'm just like you know, we're we're just we're showing our asses here. Like we're rosy writing about fucking cycling. Anything? Uh, <laughs> I, I I I know that Sean Reed Foley is not with the Blue Jays right now. I don't know, no, but I I haven't seen him, and we haven't heard his name in weeks. He's not up. Because he had a really, really bad year. My only thing is, is because he he's hurt, or they just be like, "Man, nah, yeah, it might be, it might be a hurt thing again." Um, but showing asses here. Kevin Biggio has earned a reputation as being very studious. Uh, he's like the video rat, the kid that the guy that's always you know watching watching tape in between at bats and and is in the video room constantly. So for someone who has you know obvious physical skills. And has that kind of makeup and that uh, ability to continue to work for him to make adjustments and then show himself to be a different type of hitter in the big leagues, as you mentioned, being more aggressive, um, using the whole field. As you know, we saw he hit the hit for the cycle the other day, hit the ball really hard to uh, to left center field. You know, using the, using the whole field, and uh, he's also shown himself to be a very astute base runner uh, who has not yet been caught stealing third. He, gener- he manufactured a run. There earlier in the week in uh, in, a, in a big spot for the Jays when he stole third base, basically mm-hmm. without a throw. Um, so, I yeah, think, I he's definitely in the midst of hitting a cycle. Oh, that's right. He stole two bases in, in the midst of that cycle. <laughs> yeah. uh, what a night. Have a day. Have a day, Captain Biggio. But um, definitely something that is, you, 
Kevin Biggio's season, if we were to, to look at it and 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 um, uh, again kind of assess it here here as it's coming to its end, you'd have to say it's a success. You have to say there the things that you've seen from Kevin Biggio warrant another look. Warrant you know letting him start the season or, or expecting to go into the season unless you find yourself with an upgrade. Uh, him being your everyday second baseman next year, well, I, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, except when you're the Blue Jays, he's on the marketing materials, right? Like he's going to be on the fucking. A jo- his face is going to be enormous on the side of the building. Yeah, that's <laughs> which is, true. Which is maybe you know that that's that's maybe an overcorrection in terms of what we're talking about. Because yeah, you know, if you were a win now team, you absolutely could be looking for an upgrade there. But but yeah, that's how it's going to be. I mean, I think but they also, already released like a, a I forget what it was the other week they released you know the, the, a graphic about the schedule or about giveaways or some something. But it was basically. Bichette, Biggio, and Guerrero on there. It's like, this, that's... Uh, the marketing folks can feel safe that those three are going to be there next year. Yeah. I, I, that aside, I think he has interesting skills that are worth exploring further. Um, that he can run the bases quite well. That he has some flexibility to play a few different positions. He seems like they've... He's kind of somewhat, I don't know if entrenched is the word, but he's getting a, like the steady stream of reps at second base. Um, and he, he looks like he can hit, or he has hit, I should say. Um, you, you would never sneeze at a guy like that if he's looking to no. be a, if he's a league average player and maybe a little bit better, like if, if all everything works. And again, the small sample September against this, the worst team in the American League East. Uh, the worst team imaginable in a lot of ways. <laughs> like, yeah, like you take it with a grain of salt. But again, you you're looking for those, um, looking for those those uh, the improvements. You're looking for the adjustments, and he's doing it. So uh, can't complain. And he's also, can't as Wilmer pointed out earlier, I mean, you know, he's not giving away at bats either. You know, we've seen, you know, we saw it before Tellers got sent down. Uh, you know, just sort of. Just at bats that are like, whoa, he's lost up there. And you know, Biggio has such a good eye at the plate already. He's good, good pitch recognition, and, and you know, the walk rate has stayed very good. He's one of those guys who, you know, even if the average is going to be low, he's going to walk a bunch. Uh, having good at bats as far is, is is nice too, especially in this era where, you know, everybody's going to hit twenty home runs anyway. It's like playing blackjack, right? When you're when you're with baseball now, you always just anticipate the next card out is going to be a ten. Uh, when in this baseball in baseball now, you always anticipate if you don't hit a home run, then the guy after you will. So right. you have to <laughs> not don't make an out because that that home run is lurking at all times. You're in scoring position, not first base in the dugout anywhere. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It's just it's something to build off. Now the other the flip side of that. So we're not going to talk about Boba Shed, I guess, because like what can you say? He's just done everything perfectly. This is if anything, we're we're like 100 percent getting down the uh, way too high expectations. Um, oh yeah, Boba Shed. It's the flip side of it because um, not that we know, not that everybody didn't expect that he'd be able to hit like this or the hit at all. But um, I think we're seeing a, maybe like a you know. Whatever. Let's just enjoy it. It's just a it's yeah. Just it's been a real good. Yeah. <laughs> it's been real good. He's play. He he hit the walk off home run. He's been really nice in the field and uh, just looks the part at the plate. Um, you know, some strikeouts here and there. It's big swings, but uh, whatever. Hit the hit ball. Hit the ball. Hit, hit double down. Double down on eleven. That's that's uh, Bobuchet's philosophy in the batter's box. Just uh, maybe or split eights. I don't know. I'm just going down a weird yeah blackjack yeah. tangent. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. 
the the flip side of that. So those are some good things that we've seen. The uh, the, the the flip side of it, and the thing that I, we'll just talk about real quick, which is the the state of the outfield. Um, uh-huh. Like where we were all optimistic or looking for logic where perhaps we weren't likely to find it in terms of uh, like what are they going to do when they bring up all these outfielders? They got uh, you know now the Guriel's back, especially they got Fisher, they got Alfred, they got McKinney, they got uh, whoever the other I don't know. But, Another one is that they got to ask her Hernandez. Um, and no, I, I just doesn't feel like, you know, Charlie Montoyo's like everybody plays philosophy um, has manifested in like nobody being happy at all. Like nobody playing enough to make say anything definitive about them, which uh, I think says something very definitive of all of them, which is that they're all not worth a good goddamn. <laughs> it might say that, you know. It might say that. I mean, I, 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 I would probably, you know, if if forced, if threatened, I'd probably have to say that's probably true. Um, two things on that. I, I like. One is like. On one hand, I hope that, and I think that every Blue Jays fan would hope that, you know, as like they're they're going to get burned no matter what they do. You know, people are going to hate no matter what they do. Uh, I really hope that. The front office looks and goes into the the off season and looks at the puzzle pieces that they have and and, and doesn't feel like well we got this guy for this and it you know we we really shouldn't lose him for nothing or you know mm-hmm. it's obviously the trade value of a Brandon Drury of a Derek Fisher of you know I don't know they're gonna that they're gonna think of moving on from Fisher at this point but uh, they probably fucking should for one mm-hmm. but then but but you know and. You know, it doesn't have to be Fisher. It could be like almost literally any of those guys. Uh, though I know you have all the time in the world for Teoscar. I think that's that's great. I think Grichik obviously has a contract that's going to make that complicated. Uh, mm-hmm. And Guriel's been really good when he's been on the field, and uh, he's he's really for me the one that I I'd love to see a full season of healthy Lars Guriel, uh, mm-hmm. just being in left field and not having to worry about you know making that tough throw from second base to first base. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I, I got, I got time for that. I have time for Teos, but at, at some point, you know, you'd like to have guys that you don't just have time for. Mm-hmm. You have, have guys that you know are good. You have, you know, you get you get your Marcelo Zunas and you get your uh, your big free agent signings. But the other thing I think is, uh, and we've seen this, and we you know we've talked to uh, I don't know if it was you know that we talked to about this, but we we've talked about this before is the just the changing nature of evaluation and you know the teams we're starting to see teams and i think the jays have done this as well but like the astros have paired back their pro scouting and you know there's a lot more technology involved and Mm -hmm. you know my suspicion would be that you know maybe they don't feel that they need to have anthony alford out there playing every day in order to evaluate him because they have these other tools at their disposal so they you know they they have their own thoughts about those guys that yeah. don't necessarily have to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, taken in from actually playing on, you know, on the field in a big league game. It kind of goes back to the bizarre Travis Sochik, you know, do, do we even need the minor leagues kind of uh, article mm-hmm. a few weeks ago? Um, and I would, that, it would not surprise me at all if that's uh, part of why we're, you know, they are not, you know, taking September in a more traditional way, being like, well, this guy's out of options. We need to see him every day. Because they're mm-hmm. like, oh, we got the fucking track man or whatever the other, whatever the things are. Uh, mm-hmm. I should remember the names, but uh, you know, they, they've just they've got they've got more 
data on these guys than they could ever know what to do with and probably have sort of stronger feelings based on that. That's a guess I would make. Yeah, no, I don't think that's, I don't think that's out of the, out of um, the realm of possibility at all. I mean, why, why put, if say Anthony Alford as an example, why run him, keep running him out there to let the rest of the league know with their own eyes, because they aren't privy to maybe the same sorts of data or haven't parsed it in the same way that you have. Why let them figure out that he, he's not a big leaguer, when when you can still potentially like move him on in exchange for something of value if internally they've made that designation already like okay based on what we've seen based on our numbers based on the different kind of uh parameters we've put in place there's no way that anthony offered is going to be the guy for us so rather than yeah, run, having him run out there right, but like yeah. oh well now everybody knows that he can't hit or won't hit whatever it might be now they maybe just kind of hold him and and send him off on their way later on. Um, and then, but like even the Jonathan Davis, right? Like uh, God bless Jonathan Davis and God bless that player type. Like guys who are obviously um, skilled outfielders. That, that and catch that they keep showing on, uh, on the, uh, you know, I see it like once mm-hmm. every game, basically in between innings on MLB TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, in between our Aquino highlights. Forever, sadly, <laughs> because of MLB TV, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> but, that player type, there's a real, there's a real clear line between like guys who can do that, and then there's the as we get, I'm sure that you converse with people and they say the same sort of thing. Well, if he hits even a little bit, it's like my guy, he can't hit at all. He is never <laughs> going to hit. It's just not in his toolkit. It's just not going to. Ha- you you watch him and 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 I, same sort of thing. Like why. Why let the public know, or why not the public know, but why let the cat out of the bag if it's if it's to your evaluators and your by your skill based parameters, you're like he's just not going to be the guy that we need him to be, or he's yeah. not going to hit at a big league level. So you know if he has opportunities to make some checks and do some things, that's good. But yeah, I just don't. I think a lot of that stuff's going to take care of itself. I think um, barring something very unforeseen. You know, the Blue Jays will have Lourdes Gurriel, Teoscar Hernandez, and Randall Kitchik in their outfield on opening day in uh, 2020. Which isn't the worst thing. I mean, I, I don't think, think that. would be the worst thing either, yeah. It's definitely like, oh, obviously, Gurriel has maybe the most upside in terms of, um, you know, the way that he's hit uh, in his, his first kind of extended look in the big leagues. Um, you know, the Teoscar Hernandez uh, upside is maybe, you know, it's there. You you can see that he can hit some, and he can pretty well, other than he has a few you know moments of Teoscardom out there. But um, and then Randall Gritchick again, like he's got thirty home runs now. <laughs> I mean, he's going to finish the year just yes. under league average, um, but with these big spurts and these big chunks of time where he's looked anything but, and well, just the sh- the sheer well, economics the of the home fact run that seasons of all time. Yeah. Well, no, he what is he? JP and CV? No. Oh, Aaron Sibia. Yeah, I saw you were tweeting about that this week. I mean, I forgot how grim that was. Like, that, I knew it was bad, but having a chance to go and look at those numbers, uh, holy fuck. Yeah, it's not often you see a, a like a sub-230 on base percentage from a guy who <laughs> got like 400 plate appearances. That is uh, just something something you don't see very often. Uh, I think I think that's about it. I think we've uh, we've touched all the bases. That we need to touch here today, uh, and oh, by the way, Sean Reed Foley not—he was sent down uh, on August twenty-first and was not recalled uh, to the big leagues. So he's uh, cooling his heels wherever 
Sean Reed Holt fully calls home. California, Texas, Florida, one of those three. <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad I'm glad to know that about him. But I, mm-hmm. I just I wanted to put out one uh, pet theory here before we go, mm-hmm. which is uh, I was tweeting last night about how uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. he left the game with the rib injury. Oh, yeah, no, I, I know where you're going here. I'm excited. Yeah, well, he clearly slid balls first into second base, right? Yeah. And, you know, then they came out, they're like, oh, it's a rib injury. Oh, what, you know, and it kind of, I, I was like, oh, it's less funny that way. And then immediately he's, he's fine again. My mm-hmm. theory, of course, is, no, he definitely just slid balls first. And that's why he left. And they were like, <laughs> no, don't tell, don't tell everybody that you slid on your balls. It's, it, it's a rib thing, yeah. It, it, he's like uh, Mr. Belvedere. He sat down on his balls and they had to stop filming for a few days. That was <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that I, I saw you you tweet that, and then I went looking for that famous Jordani Valdespin quote about they're like, what part? What, like, what what was the injury? What did you hurt? And he's like, my dick. <laughs> Which, uh, anyway, his name is Andrew Stoughton. My name is Drew Fairservice. Uh, season's winding down. This is the final road trip of the year, but we are uh, still here talking about your Toronto Blue Jays, and we look forward to talking about them. And so much more next week on the very next episode of Birds All Day. Follow sports through sound bites or the full story. From up in the press box or down on the sidelines. What do, what do you want to accomplish this year? Actually, I want to accomplish getting on this team first. This fall, a new daily podcast brings you closer to the sports stories that matter. Stories about players. A guy like Zion just represents that hope of the failures of the past don't matter because we've got this guy now. That's the buzzer. Stories about hometowns. You will see hundreds of people wearing number 32 Simpson jerseys uh, in the stands on Sunday afternoons for a Bills home game. And stories about the teams you love. This was the first chance for all those baseball fans to see their guys. From The Athletic, home to the best storytelling in sports. And Wondery, the company behind Sports Wars and Gladiator. I'm Kavitha Davidson. And I'm Anders Kelto. Introducing The Lead. Go beyond the box score five days a week. This isn't a story where you go to some place and interview the athlete and go home. It stays with you. Are you kidding me? I have never seen anything like that. The lead premieres September 16th on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. The lead. Sports up close. Hey, hey, I need some more of that.